Welcome to the Eric Norcross Cine Life Podcast. I'm your host, award-winning filmmaker, published author, and mixed media artist, Eric Norcross. All right, so last night we were watching that movie, Not Another Teen Movie, which is a satire on a bunch of teen movies uh, made between the 1980s and the 2000s. And man, like, that is an underrated unappreciated comedy uh for some reason every time i watch it something new takes over like so when i first watched it the character played by chris evans really had me in stitches i vaguely remember that being the case and then last night uh this character reggie ray i don't know if you've seen the movie but he's played by an actor named uh you hear noise in the background my cats are currently playing reggie ray was uh played by uh the late ron lester who uh played a similar character in the movie varsity blues and so i guess in not another teen movie they were spoofing that character here's the thing i never watched varsity blues but for some reason i don't know why it strikes me as so funny that the way they had that very specific <laughs> That very specific character uh, with this, cow- this really overweight jock on the football team with his cowboy <laughs> with his cowboy hat, and he he kept. <laughs> there was like this through line about like how he had brain damage from all these concussions, and <laughs> he only had like a number of concussions left uh, before he <laughs> he died, and so they just kept putting him in the in the football game and <laughs> and every time he got hit the, on the scoreboard there was a concussion counter and it would count down back backwards and it, <laughs> when it finally got to zero he died <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny but it's really really funny and uh yeah <laughs> It's an interesting commentary, obviously, about um, sort of the f- football and, and sort of taking the game way too seriously, especially in high school or in any any reality uh, of it, uh, any 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 uh, event where you can get killed. I think maybe you're taking it uh, taking it uh, the wrong way if you think you have to be out there, even if your life is at risk. And, but I don't know. I don't know why that struck me as so funny. Uh, the image of this Ron Lester guy with a cowboy hat and and dressed up in like the football attire and he had like this this fully grown adult pig as sort of his pet that he that followed him around followed him around it's just so funny um, anyway, guys, if you haven't seen a n- not another teen movie with Chris Evans and this Ron Lester guy and a whole slew of uh, actors from teen movies across the the, the many decades, uh, I would check that out. It's a it's a wonderful homage to uh, the teen movies. They, I mean, they're they're spoofing every teen movie from The Breakfast Club all the way to uh, She's All That and American Pie. 
Um, and, and some of the veteran actors from these genres do make appearances. Uh, and so, yeah, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for <laughs> Reggie Ray, the, the concussion uh, football star. So <laughs> that's my film recommendation. I haven't really been recommending films, but I don't know, maybe I will yeah, if, if I feel like really like you need to see this movie. Because that's, that's such a brilliant comedy that it's so underrated. So, uh, I've also been reading two books. I'm going to talk to you about them. And I'm also going to follow up on the last podcast. Because uh, I received some feedback. And so, let's just start with the books. I'm reading a fiction book called Anthropica by David Hollander. And, uh, man, this is good. It's a, it's an independently published book through a press called Animal Riot Press. It's not a big press. And it's very much a, an art house book, an art house work of art. Um, you know, a lot of people don't think of literature as having an art house genre to it. And I'm telling you, this thing is a beautiful work of literature. And it 100% falls into art house. And it's absolutely perfect. Uh, and, and the reason I, I, I'm insisting that this is a, a, a genre for a viable genre for literature is because it is my position that Herman Melville's classic American novel, Moby Dick, is also a work of art house literature. It's not talked about that way. When people talk about Moby Dick, they talk about sort of the, the main plot points and sort of the allegory for you know what captain ahab represents with his vengeance and uh what the white whale represents and so forth but there's so much more to that book it is a dense book and anthropica is a dense book and yes it has a story but the subtext and all of the different characters that that are included that to me is where a lot of the gold is and yes it's rooted in an interesting an interesting story uh, an interesting idea and that idea of course is that uh this hungarian fatalist figures out that there's no way we haven't consumed all of the resources somebody's replenishing all of our resources and the mystery is why and how uh that's the sort of root of the story but there's so much more going on in it. And if you're in love with language, if you're in love with the English language especially, and just prose, this book is for you. Um, the prose here is off the hook. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can also, uh, you know, as I said in the last podcast, I'm not on social media, but the author is David Hollander is on Twitter uh, posing as a character from his book. Pexo the robot, and I believe he calls his his username is the great and powerful Pexo. So if you're on Twitter, follow him, and uh, you'll really get the gist of this book by the way he tweets. <laughs> uh, so that's my recommendation for fiction, and I just started Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. I know it's old news, but um, 
the thing the thing with outliers is it's stuff i kind of already knew just from growing up poor and moving to a big city and seeing the different opportunities that kids in new york have versus the kids where i grew up and so uh, i'm reading that book just kind of not because i don't know what the content is but because a lot of my creative writing right now is is me exploring my childhood exploring my teen years and turning out work that for well i guess it's just to kind of put all of this into some sort of context so i could move on from it because i didn't enjoy growing up i didn't enjoy coming from a place without resources coming from a family who didn't know how to raise a child to be a leader I came from a place where we, we were brought up to be workers and and to be employed and I, you know and that's fine if that's what you want but there was no absolutely no way to identify when somebody didn't want that or to respect it if they did identify it so I, I had a lot of trouble growing up I wanted to get out I wanted to find a way to train myself to be a leader to be to be not an employee but a business owner um, not in terms of management but just in terms of I want to be able to work for myself to say hey I don't have to work for someone else I don't have to sell my labor I don't have to sell my talent I can work for myself and do it that way and I knew that it was possible because we live in a society where you could see other people doing it. You can see it through the television. You can see it through the cinema. You can hear it through the radio. You can hear people talking about it. You can read books by people like Mal Malcolm Gladwell talking about how these outliers of society broke away from tradition, broke away from the normality, and did, did it differently. And I, wanted, I always wanted to do it differently, even though even way back when I was a really little kid and I didn't understand that that's what I wanted. That's always what I wanted is I wanted to do it differently than everyone else. And I, I wanted say over my life. I didn't want my environment to tell me what my life would be. And so that's, a, that's sort of what I've been writing about. Um, I have this sort of trifecta of scripts, not quite a trilogy, but definitely an anthology. Script one is about the last year of elementary school, but where I take grade events that happen between grades three through five, and I sort of combine them into one year. And I follow this, I, I fictionalize it obviously, but all of the fictionalization is really in structure and compounding events and characters. So there really isn't anything made up. Everything in this screenplay is uh, real. I only, what I did though, is I would take two events and I would compound them into one event. Or I would take a couple of different characters and compound them into one character. Just because um, it's easier from a storytelling standpoint to work with kind of less scenes and less characters. But it's also easier for the reader or eventually the film viewer to track characters and events if you're only sticking to just a handful. So, and hopefully these will be filmed someday. I wrote them in screenplay format. 
Uh, and then so last night, so well, last week, I wrote the, I finished the first draft and then I printed it out and gave it to an editor and she basically dissected it in addition to correcting like some grammatical stuff and punctuation she also like made a lot of structural suggestions and so last yesterday and last night that was basically up at 5 a.m from 5 a.m to 11 p.m not only integrating the edits the editorial suggestions but restructuring and i didn't take all of the advice i um there was some deliberate stuff that i don't think that was caught as being deliberate so um i adjusted it a little bit so it was more obvious that it was deliberate but then yeah i mean i, I think i kept like 90 percent of this person's edits and then um that was it i sent it to my sister because she's very much uh a reader of my work and also a player in these stories uh it's about growing up and obviously she would i would want her to read that uh that material and so yeah, that's what I've been doing. So I got the the elementary school one done, set in the fifth grade. Next, I'm doing middle school. Uh, and all of middle school will be combined into one year, like like the previous one. Uh, only that'll be sixth grade. So fifth fifth grade to sixth grade. Because the reason is, sixth grade was a terrible year for me. Uh, socially, academically, mentally, I think that it contributed a great deal to kind of my problems with functioning in the real world. Um, and so, actually, I'm going to tell you straight up, sixth grade was so bad that I had to homeschool for my seventh grade year because I just couldn't handle going back. And uh, when I went back on during my eighth grade year, there were people who remembered me and remembered just like, I don't know, just that I didn't fit in there, that, you know, and I remember some people saying, we flat out didn't like you, and I couldn't figure out why, like, why didn't you like me, and, but that was, that's also been a recurring thing throughout my early childhood and uh, early teen years was, I don't know, I just, I had trouble making friends, and I don't know why, and so I explore this uh, as a problem of the environment and not necessarily of the person, um, and so... Outliers, I'm reading Outliers before I really go too far into the middle school stuff because I do want there to be sort of a sound philosophy to uh, the the exploration of this character. Um, and then I also have the third one uh, kind of in the early, early stages of drafting uh, that's basically focused more on my teen years. And this one's set, though, across an entire summer. And... Um, Yeah, so that's the trifecta, the anthology. Not quite a trilogy, but they go together. And uh, I do have plans for them. So that's what's going on on this end. Well, let's get to some of the feedback. Uh, dear Eric, I'm digging the podcast. I'm not on Twitter either, for much of the same reasons. Counterculture is one of the most fatally disturbing movements of our society. And then I also received a letter that says, Loved hearing about the origins of Carolina, Virginia. I first found you on 
Amazon when I streamed Lipstick Lies. Can you talk more about that movie? So we have two letters. One agreeing that we're better off not tweeting. If you, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, the last episode I talked about how I quit Twitter and Instagram because they weren't making me feel good. And to be totally honest with you, I'm more productive when I'm not dealing with social media. And I think if I end up on social media again, it's going to be professionally run and it's going to be strictly professional. And it's really hard to be strictly professional in this day and age because I just want to be like, guys, you're being completely and totally irrational. Stop. You know, but it's not my place and you're never going to convince anybody anyway. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm basically shutting off the water, not going to. The tap is permanently disconnected until I can find a professional to kind of handle it for me. Uh, As far as, uh, well, you know, I am on LinkedIn, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you have a legit reason to. Um, But LinkedIn sort of get some of the same issues. It's not as bad because there is a, a subset of the community on LinkedIn that says, hey, this is for professional sort of conversations. You shouldn't be bringing politics and personal grievances into it Uh, but they do anyway and you know like I follow all the main studios uh, including Netflix and right now Netflix is whenever they post there's a subset of people who's giving them shit about that Sundance movie that they distributed Uh, there's a for those of you don't know there's a French film that Sundance distributed uh, I mean, the, bleh, that Netflix distributed, but it won Sundance, and people are giving it shit because they don't like seeing uh, kind of the reality of what kids are actually like. They don't like seeing that emerging interest in sex and in appearing sexy and all that, which I can understand from, a, you know, parents really don't want their kids growing up that fast, but the fact of the matter is they do, and this film basically acknowledges that, and so... There's a huge uh, section of middle America that's basically like, you know, that full Puritan bullshit where they're just like, this is an art. And that's that's actually something that people are have post multiple people have posted on Netflix's LinkedIn was, oh, this is an art. This is an art. How dare you? Let me tell you something. Nobody. No fucking body has the right to declare what is or isn't art. And I want to tell you something else. The people who are saying that this isn't art, they're not artists. I looked at their LinkedIn profiles, okay? They don't have one skill set that falls into an artistic category. So who are, to, who are they to say that this isn't art? I mean, who's anybody, really? But I mean, if their idea of art is the disposable entertainment that they consume through television and going to mainstream blockbuster movies, then they have no idea what actual cinematic art is. Okay? Now, I'm not defending the work, but I am defending the artist's right to create the work and to have it exhibited. Uh, but clearly, uh, if you're not moved by it, that's one thing. But you have no right to declare it not art and therefore it shouldn't exist. To say something shouldn't exist because you don't think it's art, that makes you a piece of shit in my book.
keep this in mind the next time a, a film rubs you the wrong way or even the concept of a film rubs you the wrong way because most of these people never even bothered to watch the movie which also gets under my skin and that's happened with a lot of movies over the years like one of my favorite movies dogma that film got protest protested by people who never even watched the fucking movie but for the, for this french movie i'm going to tell you something they had to get the financing for it which meant the script and the concept had to be released to investors they had to cast it which means they had to go through the whatever local labor laws that exist for casting children and they also had to get parental consent you have layers and layers of bureaucratic processes protecting people ensuring that what you see on in the movie isn't real then you have so so then you make the movie right which by the way if you've ever made a movie you would know how poorly shot this movie was because they weren't they were legit not showing anything because nothing happened it's all implied it's literally all implied bullshit and and like i don't know i just movies aren't real people they're not real and and the more you think that you act like they're real the more ignorant you come off and i want to tell you that straight up so the film gets finished right then they have to submit it to a, a festival submission panel to even be accepted into the festival uh, and so you're going to have a lot of a lot of people there screening the film ahead of time financing casting parental consent festival submission panels that's what we get so far right i guarantee you there are loving parents in all of those categories and they're all double checking this movie to make sure it's uh, an actual work of art okay then you have your audience at the film festival then you have your jury panels at the film festival those are the ones that give give the awards okay and this one won an award at sundance uh, and then you have your distributors bidding on it financing casting parental consent festival submission panels audience jury panels distributors that's a lot of parents looking at this at this work that's a lot of parents saying well this works and um sundance isn't the only one it was in it was also in the berlin international film festival okay it's nominated for two awards at that festival it, it won the world cinema drama award at sundance it was a nominee for the jury prize you know and uh to say this isn't art uh you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about uh honestly and um you know i think i think the problem is rooted in the lack of travel ability so many people have in this country americans especially in, in the middle america the really conservative sort of impoverished sections of america they uh they don't really have the ability to travel i know i have a hard time with it finding the resources so i think world travel needs to be more accessible not uh not really so much to, to the typed up touristy areas where you're not really getting a taste for different cultures but places where truly diverse and different cultures exist and function so that we can see how others are doing it 
and that we can learn to be less critical of how others are doing it because ours our way isn't the only way certainly our faux puritan ways isn't the only way uh, and uh, i've always i've always been mystified by this sort of idea that <laughs> well we're clean and perfect and blah, blah, blah. you know what we fucking slaughtered and our, our, our ancestors slaughtered and pillaged countless nations to obtain the land that we're living on so don't fucking act like this whole, like you know your shit don't stink okay don't get all, get all hoity-toity because the French send over a movie that rubs you the wrong way you have no idea what the hell you're talking about anyway Who's to say what's art and what isn't? <sighs> Certainly uh, not some bean counter from some insurance company with absolutely no artistic skills to declare on his resume. Certainly not that person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I looked at all your resumes, people. I know exactly who I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, you're going to get filmmakers too. You're going to get artists saying that it's not art. I think they're just going to kick themselves in the ass in the long run because honestly uh, <laughs> uh, it's a dangerous road to go down cancel culture it's a dangerous fucking road to go down you know you judge a book by its cover as I talked about in the last podcast and you cancel an author without ever having read the book you know oh she's romanticizing Nazis She's not romanticizing Nazis. Okay? And if you're going to cancel this author, you should cancel Casablanca, a, a Hollywood classic. You know what I'm saying? Just because a, a romance story is set during Nazi-occupied France, that doesn't mean that you're romanticizing Nazis. I just think this bullshit needs to stop, and we need to stop giving these douchebags uh, the ear. I think they've, we gave them their ear, our, our ears long enough, and uh, they abused, abused it. So let's cancel cancel culture. That's where I stand. Art matters. The right to create art and try new things matters. There's enough systems in place to ensure that what we're creating is purely fiction and pretend and not real. Uh, I think maybe too there too many Americans haven't seen enough of the real world and they haven't had enough real actual tragedy happen to them. I think that's the other thing too is honestly like with the exception of 9/11 our cities have never been bombed. Think about that. Our land has never seen war outside of the civil war. You know Europe Europe's been bombed as shit twice in the 20th century. So these people have a different perspective on life, a different perspective on society and just kind of existing in the world. And uh, I would trust that lived experience and that generational experience more than the experience of somebody who's never really known pain other than Oh, I've been working all day. My back hurts. Uh, and that's just sort of how I'm starting to see this. So uh, let's follow up on the second email. All right. Lipstick lies. You want me to talk about that? I don't know what to say about it, honestly. Like, 
that was for the longest time my favorite film that I made one of my more personal films that I made um, one of the more experimental and daring films that I made it, but it didn't it didn't really do well in the festival circuit. It got into a few interesting festivals. We screened at the Big Island Film Festival in Hawaii. We filmed in Brooklyn at the Philip K. Dick Science Fiction Film Festival. But no awards, no recognition, acknowledgement. I had to self-distribute it through Amazon streaming. Um, uh, I got lovely, lovely feedback from previous collaborators that they really, really were blown away by it. Um, but... That's, of course, in comparison to everything that came before. <laughs> With one of my favorite endings, the ending is still one of my favorite that I've made. Actually, I'd say the ending of Lipstick Lies is my favorite that I've made. William? How do you know my name? Do you have any idea who I am? No. Can't say that I do. Have we met? Are you all right? Yes. I'm fine. Guess the secret's out, huh? Secret? No more lonely island. Guess I'll have to share it. <laughs> really, are you all right? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. You know, there is something familiar about you. It's like we've met. Would you like to get some food or something? I'd love to. Great. Know this small place across the Lopez lake. coffee shop? Yeah. You been there? Many times. I was thinking about extracting it and putting it on my YouTube channel, and maybe I'll do that later this week, because uh, I really, really, really love that ending, and uh, yeah, anyway, and the music and the score and all that, so anyway, that's, uh, that's all I got, I got those two emails, I wanted to talk to you guys a bit about these books, and yeah, I got a lot of work to do this week. I'm, I'm going to be working on more screenplays. I'm still working on my film fractals. Um, that's it, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. I think that if you if you're really digging this podcast, you should reach out to me. You should ask me questions. You should ask me to tackle certain topics. Um, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll respond to hate mail. I'll read it out loud, and then I'll respond. So just be prepared for that, though.
be prepared for that. And uh, also, connect with me. Uh, if you're a filmmaker or a producer or an artist or a writer, connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know what's up. Let me know how you're doing, what you're doing. And uh, also, if you just want to support me and my work in this podcast or any of my films, uh, guess what? You can. I have a Patreon. Uh, the link will be in the description. There's nine tiers of support to choose from. You would officially become a patron of my art. And uh, that's kind of how that would work. But then you can also support the podcast by itself by going to Anchor. Anchor has um, a mechanism to support me specifically. And I did activate it, so it should work. Uh, if it doesn't work, email me through my website, through the contact form on my website, and I will uh, look into it. And, and the same thing with Patreon. If you have issues becoming a patron, just contact me through the contact form on my website, and I will look into it. Anyway, this is Eric Norcross, filmmaker, author, mixed media artist, and uh, try not to think about Try not to think about Ruth dying. Ruth has died. The Supreme Court Justice. Uh, I'm trying not to think about that. Uh, because I know that these, these vultures are going to try to fill a seat with another conservative. And honestly, I can't bear the thought of that.